Please take out your Bibles tonight and be turning to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 14. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 14, if you would please. Broken things. Broken things. We in our very wasteful American culture as a whole today, we have no toleration for things that are broken. Think about that. Our junkyards, our landfills, our nursing homes and other facilities are full of the broken. But you know, while our culture has no use for things that are broken, I'm reminded that it is just the opposite with God, as always. For his thoughts are not our thoughts, nor are his ways our ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Hence, have you ever thought about the fact that some of the greatest blessings of the Messiah's ministry came about as a result of things that were first broken before God's blessings could be poured forth abundantly from them. Have you ever thought about that? Look at me in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. As you know, in verses 1 through 13, it's been a very long day for our Lord. He has found out about the death of his near kinsman, John the Baptist. He's found out those sorts of things. And when Jesus heard it in verse 13, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Jesus got away by himself to take a little time to to pray perhaps, to grieve perhaps, to deal perhaps, but whatever, he, he got away by himself, but, but as soon as he got there, here comes the crowds. Here comes the crowds. And as we know from verse 14, they were the sick, they were the empty, they were the broken, they were the hurting, the helpless. And folks, I want to tell you that the broken, the hurting, the helpless will always find compassion from the Christ and those who are his and strive to be like him. Read on, verse 15, and we will see this. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments. That remained, you know, sort of like Thanksgiving dinner, right? I mean, they got, they got so much food, they don't know what to do with it all. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Think about that. In Jesus' possession, 
After he blessed that little bit of food and he broke, he poured forth a blessing onto perhaps as many as 10,000 people. There were 5,000 besides women and children. Maybe there was 12,000 people. I don't know how many there were in total. But notice that very distinct pattern. That's going to come in very important later on. The distinct pattern. He blessed, he broke, and what he blessed and broke became an even greater blessing to those that needed it. Very similar to a situation we have in the very next chapter. Turn to me to Matthew 15, different situation, same basic storyline and outcome. Matthew chapter 15, look at verses 29 and 30. And Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. The broken, the hurting, the helpless, the hopeless. And what happens? They laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Continuing on. So the, so the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and he glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion. Do you see this recurring theme? I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat and I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And his disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit on the ground, took the seven loaves and the fish, and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Now those who ate this time in a different situation were 4,000 men besides women and children. Isn't that incredible? Look at that. But notice the pattern, once again, he blessed, he broke, and then he used that which he had blessed and broken to bless many, many others. Maybe as many this time as eight to 10,000. But food is not the only thing that the Lord used this pattern on, as it were. It's not the only time that there was a breaking and a bringing forth of blessings. Turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark in chapter 14. Mark 14, from Matthew 14 to Mark 14. Look at verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Mark 14 and verse 3. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? It might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. She broke this, and, and that which was so costly inside, she had used for this purpose, and they're thinking, man, what a waste. But Jesus said, let her alone. 
Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. I love that line. I've used that line so many times when people are hurting. God doesn't expect you to do everything. God doesn't expect any of us to do everything. But God expects us to do everything we can. There's a difference. God wants us to do what we can. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, the whole world, we're still talking about her tonight in Shoto, Oklahoma, that this, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. As I look at that and I think about it, and I, I, was, I was kind of mulling this over, to me, in my mind, and you can, you can just think about this, it may not be true in yours, but in my mind, one of the things that I kind of think here, it's just possible that the reason that Jesus commended her when she broke this flask and she poured out what was so pricey inside of it, Maybe it reminded Jesus of her, this woman, who's brokenhearted, but has a priceless soul inside. Perhaps that was the case. I don't know. But you see, as we look at this story, to some in that day and time, just like today, broken things are not all we tend to throw away. Sometimes we throw away broken people. We throw away broken people. Jesus doesn't. This woman, when you stop and think about, about all of the times that people were broken and Bartimaeus the blind beggar and, and all of these, the woman at the well in John 4, all of these broken people, Jesus didn't throw them away. You know what Jesus wanted to do? He wanted to heal them because that's what Jesus does with things that are broken. Jesus uses that which is broken, and he heals it to pour forth even greater blessings. In fact, broken people are most often the blessed of all. I want you to think about this. Broken people are most often the blessed of all. Why? Because it is the broken people who most appreciate what God wants to do for them. It is those who understand that they are broken. The most destitute of spirit and desperate for his help. Who appreciate his help most when they get it. That's why it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom than, a, than, than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. They don't know how much they need him. But the broken people, this woman, and those broken people that we see, they are the most blessed of all because God can use them. And when God blesses them, they appreciate God. He doesn't discard them. He blesses them. After all, and we talked about this early on in our Wednesday night class, but again, think about it. After 400 years, roughly, between, the, between where our Bibles are divided from the Old and New Testament, for approximately 400 years of prophetic silence, plus another 30 years for Jesus from infanthood to grow up and become an adult man and start his ministry, all of that waiting time, and you're going to hear the first words from God, from God in the flesh, from God, that you heard in 430 years. What were the very first words? Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If I may paraphrase all four of those together, blessed are the broken, for they shall both be blessed and become a greater blessing to others. One of the reasons that after all of that silence that God in the flesh starts out his ministry in the New Testament with those phrases, I am convinced in my heart is because God wanted him to know, I still want the broken. I don't discard the broken. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, and those who hunger and thirst after me. There's nothing new under the sun. See, God's always been that way. God in the Old Testament was the same way. God wanted the broken. He wanted to, he would bless, and he would break, that he might bring forth even greater, greater blessings. Consider this. Turn to me to Psalms 147. God has always done this. What a blessing we can become once we have been truly broken in the hand of God. Psalm 147. Look with me at the first six verses. Praise the Lord, for it's good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Watch this. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble and casts the wicked down to the ground. Do you see those three groups? The outcast, the broken hearted and the humble. Do you see them? God heals the broken hearted. He gathers together the out. God says, I got a place for the broken. I got a place. And, and there's so many other Psalms that talk to us about this. Another one that closely resembles it is Psalm 34. Please turn there. And we're going to spend a little time in this one. Because you know what? All of us are broken sometime. <coughs> Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. That can be pretty comforting, can't it? Heart ever been broken? The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. But I want to look, and, and that's kind of the bang, the, 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 the high point of this, but I want to look at what leads up to it as we talk tonight about the blessings of brokenness. Look at verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This psalm is about the person who blesses, praises, boasts in, magnifies and exalts the Lord at all times. Verses 4 and 5. 
I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. This person with a lot of fears. He delivered me, it's David. He delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This is a psalm about one who always seeks or looks to the Lord when he needs deliverance. And he doesn't look anywhere else because the Lord is his deliverance. Period. Verses 6 and 7. This poor man cried out, he says, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel, I love this verse, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. Verse 6 talks about the poor man. It is the poor in spirit man, the one who fears and cries out to the Lord when he is broken, whom these verses say is saved, protected, and delivered. Look at verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord, they shall not lack any good thing. He is blessed, this man, this broken man, is blessed because he is broken enough to trust, to seek, to trust, and to fear the Lord. And the Lord honors that because the Lord has a place for the broken to cause them to bless others even more than before they were broken. Look at verses 11 and following. Come, you children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? He says, here he is, verse thir uh, 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. These verses go along very well with what we talked about this morning. Did you see it there in verse, 13, uh, verse 11? Come, you children, listen to me. What's, what's the story? The story is, is that this man who's broken, who's cried out to the Lord, who trusts in the Lord in his brokenness, he's trying to teach the children. He says, children, listen to me. I, I've got to get this across to you how awesome God is. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. This broken and humble-hearted person in this psalm, David, at this point in his life, is one who teaches others, teaches children how to be blessed. How? By getting close to the heart of God while you were broken, keeping the God of heaven close to your heart, and by living a life submitted to him, a life that is righteous and departing from evil and seeking peace, that righteous life. This is so important that Peter quotes these very verses in 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. We move on talking about the broken in verse 17 and following. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Is that true? It's true because it's black and white. Period. That's true. Many, verse 19, are the afflictions of the righteous. Sometimes, if you ever, don't, don't shake your heads, just sit there and just look at me like this, because I don't want you to admit this, okay? Have you ever gotten that place in your life where you said, Lord, I mean, everything's going wrong. 
And you say, Lord, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve this? I mean, really? Well, and we somehow think that because we've done something horrible that we, we're asking the Lord, what did I do that was so bad that I'm getting all this bad? This isn't what this verse says. This says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Righteous, good people have afflictions. They got a lot of them. Doesn't mean they've been bad people. That's not what it says. Job, look what happened to him. And he was a really, really good and godly guy. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. Those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. This psalm is all about the blessings of being broken, the blessings of brokenness. And that is the title of tonight's sermon. Being broken hurts. It hurts. It really does. There's nothing pain-free about it. It hurts to be broken. But being broken when God's the one doing the breaking is a blessing. That brings forth even more and greater blessings as long as the one that's being broken allows it to turn them to a greater dependence on God. You see, some people don't. When, when they are broken, they just get more bitter and angry. They don't rely on the Lord. The, the point of being broken for us as individuals and being broken down is so that we will have a greater dependence on God. Listen, some people are so full of themselves that God has to break them down so that they can empty themselves of self so that God can fill them back up. But until they're broken of their self-reliance, they're going to depend on me because I'm just so good. God's got to break that down and empty self out so that we can be filled with the goodness of God and be an even greater blessing to those around us. Some don't do that. Some in our pride-driven, self-promoting, self-indulgent world don't see being broken as a blessing. Ancient Israel didn't see it as a blessing. They were so full of themselves that the last thing that they wanted was to be broken open, emptied of self, so that God could refill them with his goodness. However, this is the punchline for tonight's sermon. One cannot be helped, healed, and built up until they are bruised, broken, and brought down. Being broken by God so that he can reshape us and remold us and get us away from self-reliance and self-dependence is such a blessing. Listen, being broken is the ultimate blessing which enables us to understand the wisdom and love of God because that's when we come to realize how much we need him. Being broken is the, an ultimate blessing which enables us to experience the healing power of God when we turn ourselves fully over to him. Being, blessed, being broken by God is the ultimate blessing which enables us to then become an even, even bigger blessing from God to others in ways we otherwise couldn't. Take David, for example. Think about David for me. Here's little boy David. Goes out, slays Goliath. Humble kid, goes out, does, the God, God will deliver me, just like he did when the lion and the bear come after the flock. God will deliver me. Goes out, gathers his five smooth stones, and you know why he gathered five stones, right? Raise your hand if you know why he gathered five stones. 
It wasn't because he thought he was a terrible shot and he was going to miss four times. You don't, nobody in this room knows why he gathered five stones? Okay, good. Goliath was rumored to have four brothers. Think of the faith. One stone per giant. Somebody told me, actually, that, that Goliath had brothers, and it was biblical. I didn't look it up for this tonight, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but I believe that, that I heard that many years ago, and I just thought that was so cool. And I believe it's biblically provable that he had four brothers. But think about this. His life gets going. He relies on God. He doesn't hurt Saul. He becomes king. And he got a little bit, a little bit too comfortable. Thought as king he could do anything. He got a little bit too full of himself. So what does he do? He goes out, has an affair with the wife of Uriah, has Uriah killed. Guess what happened? David was broken. That broke him. Turn to me to Psalm 51. It was only after David was broken by that that he could become so wonderfully useful again in the hand of God. Psalm 51, you want to see a broken man? Look at verses 1 and 2. We're not going to read the whole Psalm. Psalm 51, 1 and 2. David, when the prophet Nathan went to him, was believed to have written this at that point, when Nathan said, you're the man, look what David says. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. David was miserable. He was broken. That the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He wasn't happy in his salvation anymore. He said, I want, I want that joy again, God. David was broken. But it was only by realizing that he was broken that he would once again come and humble himself before God's healing and blessing. And then he would become useful to God again. If we were to read down through verses 13 through 15, we would see that, that once he was healed, then he would once again be able to teach and serve and sing and praise with a proper, humbled, healed, and happy heart. And David knew it. Look at verses 16 and 17. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. David said, my heart's broken, and I know, God, I know that's the one thing. I can give you all these rams, and I can give you all this stuff, but, but there's only one thing, God, that you require, and that's, that's a broken heart. Because God, you can work with one that's broken, one that's broken and poured themselves out and don't rely on themselves anymore to be clean and white before you because we all mess up. God, I'm broken, <laughs> fill me again with joy. As we read through the book of Psalms, we see that David's heart was broken more than once. And yet he was called a man after God's own heart. How does that work? <laughs> Works really well. David was a man after God's own heart because David got his heart broken to the point that God could fill it and he allowed God to do that through his brokenness. Whether it was the Apostle Peter. Remember the Apostle Peter? He had to be broken, didn't he? 
He was so full of pride, I'll never deny you. Even if they deny you, I won't deny you. Yeah, well, about 12 hours later, he was a broken man, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was sifted by Satan to the point that he denied the Lord three times that night. Then he went outside and he wept bitterly. Or whether it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who had punished and caused God's people to blaspheme and kill them. He had to be broken. He was broken to the point that he literally was on his knees on the road to Damascus. God broke him, didn't he? But, but look, once God broke him, look at the blessing Paul became. Look at the blessing that Peter became once they'd been blessed. Hmm, this sounds familiar. Sounds almost like the food in the beginning in Matthew 14, 15. They were blessed. Then they were broken. Then they became an even greater blessing from that point on didn't they? They both did. They both did. All of these great men had to be broken down before they could experience the full blessings from God. So having said that, what is the dividing wall? What's the dividing wall, the dividing line here, which separates those who will experience the blessings of brokenness from those who will only get more bitter and angry over their brokenness. You know, the Pharisees, it was their pride. They could not, no matter what, what he did, they would not break down and surrender their pride. So they couldn't get close enough to God to be filled by him, could they? The Pharisees could not get close enough to God to be filled by him because they refused to break. We had a brother who's gone on to his reward years ago, but his name was Wellington Smith, and he wrote this. Brokenness is a prerequisite to usability. Think about that, by our Heavenly Father. Brokenness is a prerequisite to usability by our Heavenly Father. And then he gives 10 things, 10 different little one-liners, sort of, that tell us whether we are one of those broken people whom God can use or not. And this is his contrast. Listen to this. Proud, unbroken people focus on the failures of others, while broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own unworthiness. Proud, unbroken people are self-righteous, have a critical, fault-finding spirit, and look at their own life and faults through a telescope while looking at other people's failures through a microscope. Didn't Jesus say something about with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you? Yes. But while that's what proud, unbroken people do, broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own spiritual needs. Proud, unbroken people look down on others and their efforts, while broken people consider others first and better than themselves. Proud, unbroken people are independent and possess a proud, self-sufficient spirit while broken people possess a dependent spirit in that they recognize their need to be with others who are broken too. Proud, unbroken people must maintain control at all costs. They must have their own way no matter what. Broken people, they'll surrender control. I think I read something about that in James 3, 13 through 18. Yeah, I know I did. Proud, unbroken people always have to prove that their opinions are right, but broken people are willing to yield 
the right to be right. Proud, unbroken people claim their rights. They have a demanding spirit. Broken people yield their rights. They have a forgiving spirit. Proud, unbroken people are very protective of and selfish with their time, efforts, and energy. Broken people seek to serve others first, no matter the cost, just as Jesus saved and served them. Proud, unbroken people demand to be served. Broken people serve others first. And finally, proud, unbroken people desire to be a success. Broken people desire to be faithful first and help others to be successful. As we think about those things in broken people, it's easy to see why God is near to the brokenhearted. You know, being broken, as I said earlier, hurts but it's essential in order for us to get closer to the heart of God. Brother Alan Webster has written the following. We pray much more fervently and frequently when we are at the end of our ropes than when we are on the top of our worlds. Isn't that true? Don't you pray more when you hurt? Most people do. He goes on to say problems often lead us to prayer, suffering to supplications, perplexity to petitions, and reverses to requests. Disadvantages are advantages when they cause us to spend more time on our knees, when they cause us to depend more on God, when they make us more compassionate towards others, and when they cause us to desire more strongly for heaven. That is when disadvantages become advantages. That is when brokenness becomes a blessing. One of the greatest reasons that Jesus came was to break down the proud, help out the humble, and die for us all so he could rebuild us into the image of God, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. That is, all of us who would allow him to do so. Some people won't. The Bible talks in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and following about how you know, some people are just unyielding. They, Jesus is a stone of stumbling to them as he tries to break them down, as he tries to, he's, he's blessed them and then he tries to break them so that he can make them an even greater blessing and, and, and they just, they won't do it. However, to those who will take the breaking, who will seek and believe and serve and obey and allow themselves to be broken by God, so that they can be rebuilt daily into the image of God and be an even greater blessing and be even more greatly blessed to those people. It is those people, despite what the world says, it is those people who will always be the happiest, the closest to, and the most reflective of God's heart. As we get ready to close tonight, Couple of questions. <laughs> Does it seem like some days you're just being tossed about like a leaky ship on a pounding reef? Some days you're just being ripped apart. Got two words for you. If you're a Christian and some days it just feels like you're a leaky ship being torn apart in a storm on the reef and you're clinging to God, got two words for you. Praise God. <gasps> How dare he say that? 
Praise God. You know why? Because God blessed you, then he needs to break you so that he can bless you even more. When we are brought to the point of being broken to the point we no longer rely on ourselves but rely fully, totally, absolutely, 100% on God, that is when we are incredibly blessed and that's what God wants to do. Same thing we saw with the fish and the loaves, didn't we? He, he blessed, he broke, caused an incredible blessing. Isn't that what we saw with David? He blessed David, David became broken, and then David could be used as an even greater blessing. The same thing we see with Peter, and we talked about Paul. We see the same pattern, a, a blessing, a breaking, and becoming an even greater blessing in all of these things. Where are you tonight? Are you broken? Has God got your attention? And I'll tell you again, we're all broken in some way. If you're broken tonight, what do you want to do about it? Do you want to stay empty? Stay broken? Just, there you are. Maybe get bitter and frustrated? Or will you choose right now to come to the Lord and allow Him to heal your hurt, fill your heart, and lift you up? How broken you got to be before that's your option. Because that all begins when you surrender completely and give yourself totally over to him. Whether that means it's time for you tonight to be baptized and get rid of all your sins, whether that means you need the prayers of the church because you're hurting and you're broken, whether it's you need the prayers of the church to just let go of your burden right now. You remember what Jesus said to the weary and heavy laden? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is that true? Think that's true? I don't think that's true. I know it's true. Because that's what God's word says. You're broken. God's got a blessing for you. If you need him, come to the front as we stand and sing.